good news is this. Okay, this is the good news that all of you guys should know and hear very clearly. Lunch is after this. So it's, just, so it's good. You know, so this is during the sermon time. What is God going to say? But lunch is coming soon. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, the, I just want to let you know that, you know, for my, my family and I, we are just, you know, we, we love hanging out with all of you. We love getting to know you. Uh, my wife is having a great time. Um, some of you have called my wife. You guys gone out to lunch without me. Um, you know, uh, my daughter, she's enjoying her time here. Um, she's actually taking upon herself and my wallet to make as many desserts and cookies at a different meetings so that way all of you can gain as much weight as you can. Um, in fact, one of the things I would encourage, they didn't announce this, but then the, we do have that lunch over there. These kids are selling these root beer floats, and I went during the middle service, and they were just like, no one's buying our root beer floats, so can you just surprise them and buy all these root beer floats, and even if you don't want one, you know, just buy one anyway, okay? Goes, go, goes to a good cause. Um, but we do have that lunch break, actually prime. We're actually meeting the catapult afterwards if you want to do that, okay? Well, you know, for us to be here, actually, um, it's a little bit of a, it was a little bit of a journey. Um, the decision to move here was actually based on my youngest daughter, Sophia. And it's not just her, but it was one of those things where we wanted to make this move to where, you know, where we're going to go um, based on as a family decision. And so it's not to say that my youngest daughter goes and runs the household. In many ways, she does. Um, but at the same time, this one decision of moving here to Living Hope was one of those moments that we wanted for her to go and come to this place of saying, you know, would you be willing to move? And for my oldest daughter, it was one of those things where she was moving to college. And so for her, it was easy. You know, it's like she's kind of done different moves with us before. Okay, check. Hey, let's go, and, let's go to Living Hope. I asked my wife, so what do you think? Should we uh, move to this church? Should we see what God's going to do? Um, she loves the church. She loves the people. Check. Awesome. Okay, here we go. Hey, so how about for me? Oh, man, I love the people here and just be able to love to be able to pastor again. Check. Awesome. Okay, Sophia, so how about you? What do you think? Um, no, don't want to move. Don't want to go. No check. No go. Right? My, my, my youngest daughter, she's in fifth grade. She's 10 years old. We've lived in this area of Oceanside for about the last eight years. So all she's ever known was Oceanside. She's never moved. Her first move. Not only that, but all of her friends, all of her friends in the neighborhood, all of her friends in school, she's going to have to lose all of that. She's going to have to move from the house that she loves to be in, the favorite room she loves to go to. And all of a sudden, she just didn't want to go. I remember um, this one story, and I've told this before, that we went to this movie called I Can Only Imagine. And if you've seen that before, it's a Christian movie with the song and everything. And I don't know if it was something to do with that, but we went and walked down the pier to Ruby's. We ate some French fries. We had our chocolate shake. Coming back, my daughter goes and asks, so when we move, what would it look like? And it wasn't like, I don't want to move. And it's if we move, it's when we move, what is it going to look like? What's my room going to look like? What's the church going to be like? And something had changed that mo- at that moment. It was just like, so what happened? My wife starts crying. And everything. It's one of those moments, right? But we wanted to take this moment for her, but it was also a moment for us as a family in the fact that we wanted to see what God was doing 
and especially here at Living Hope. Let me define what a God moment, uh, that, how I would define it. It's a moment when God wants to get our attention so it can lead to a life-changing adventure. Maybe he reveals his plan or to allow for, you know, for us to go and just maybe take another step with him. But it's an opportunity for us to walk with God toward being the kind of person that God intended us to be. So everything was checked except for my daughter. All of a sudden she says, check, everything's good. What changed? Nothing changed, right? She still was going to lose her friends. She was going to have to move to a place that she loved, a house that she loved to be at, to a place that she didn't know, to a place that, you know, it didn't promise any wonderful good things at all. But she was still willing to go and take this step. For some reason, she was willing to take a step with God to see how God wanted to work with her, but also how God wanted to work with our family. For me as a father and also as a pastor, you know, I want to make sure in the fact that we seize every moment that God has in front of us, that we would exercise our faith in such a way that it provides us these experiences that lead to great stories, stories that we talk about, stories that maybe kind of live beyond ourselves, goes to our families and maybe to eternity. And there was no promise that things were going to work out, but we knew that, you know what, God's going to be here in the beginning, and we knew that God was going to be there at the end. I believe that great stories are one of those things that is made up of us maybe taking a decision, making a decision to follow God in these God moments, and then stepping out in such a way that we join in on these stories that are yet to be made. I wonder for us how many of us have maybe missed a moment. I think about my life, and I think about the things that I regret. I think about are the bad things, the things that maybe I fouled up and it just didn't work out. I think the biggest regrets that I have in life are those that when I saw this one moment and then all of a sudden I didn't step into it and I just let it slip by. And so, you know, one of the things of reasons of why that we don't step into a moment is because it's wrapped up into maybe sometimes very tough packaging, right? The wrapping has on it, it has risk. Many times it's awkward. We don't like to be awkward You know, it's wrapped up in fear because we don't want to step out. And if we don't learn how to do hard things, then we're always going to miss out on these great moments. That we need to step into a moment and do hard things. And even if we have to do that, but we love these stories. We love these stories when people stepped out in faith, when they stepped out, when they knew that they were going to be safe, but they decided to step out into this moment because even if it was difficult, they did it anyway. One of these stories is a time when Steve Jobs, and he was looking for a great executive. And so this guy named John Stully, he was working for Pepsi at the time, and you might know this story. But he goes up to this guy, John, and says, you know what? He says, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life, or do you want to come with me and change the world? And John Stully steps into this moment, and all of a sudden, the pronoun changes. Before it was, help me change the world, and now it's, We will change the world. Why is it hard for us to go and do hard things? Why do we miss out on all of these things that God is doing? What causes us to delay and maybe miss out on these God moments in our lives? Let me answer this. It's hard to go and step into a God moment when we don't take the time to really see what's God's mission for our life. 
Many times we don't even understand what a God moment maybe even looks like. Many times we don't know and the fact that realize the fact that we have actually something to offer. So it's hard to step into a God moment when we don't take time to discern the mission that God has for us. Being aware to step into a moment and also to realize that we have something to offer. So why don't you guys take out your Bibles today. What we're going to do is we're going to continue in our study in the book of Acts. And this is where the Apostle Paul, he is journeying back to Jerusalem from all of his years of his missionary journeys. Right, He had missionary journey one, missionary journey two, missionary journey three. He's actually just come back from this European journeys where all of these Gentiles, these non-Jewish people, for the first time, are starting to believe in God. Exciting things are happening. And so what's going to be, what we're going to do is that we know that in this part, that Paul, he's very focused on his mission and also his message. And not everybody agreed with him all the time. But you know what? He kept going. And so he is an example of seizing the God moments before him and to be a part of the greater story, the greatest story that we still remember. And actually we talk about, we're going to read about today. So open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 21 and parts of 22. And as you're going there, you know, Paul is making his way back to Jerusalem. He's actually spending some time with some elders. You know, he's been on these missionary journeys for a long, long time. Maybe this is the last time he's going to see them. It's an emotional time. He's been spreading the gospel throughout all the region, coming back from all these Gentiles actually believing in God. He makes his way to these stops along to Jerusalem. In verse 1, he says, After we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed out to Kos. The next day, we went to Rhodes, and then we went to Patera. And then we found a ship crossing over to um, Phoenicia, went on board and set sail. And after sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed to Syria. And then we landed at Tyre. And I will be very tired after going on those journeys. And so verse 4. I have a demented mind, I think, like this. Okay, so we sought, so we sought the disciples there and stayed there, um, stayed with them seven days. And it says, through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including the wives, the children, accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each, um, each, of each other, we went on board the ship and they returned home. If you caught this, the people were urging Paul, don't go back to Jerusalem. There's trouble waiting. There's actually going to be hardships waiting. There's going to be things that you don't want to go. But he leaves this place. He goes to another, um, another stop. And he goes and visits this evangelist called Philip. And also he visits another prophet called Agabus. So verse 10. After we had been there a number of days, the prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied it his hands and his feet. I don't know how that would have looked. But it says, The Holy Spirit says, In this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owners of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Same thing. Verse 12. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go back to Jerusalem. Very clear message. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. And if you want to take out your notes today, 
Um, the first thing and the first reason why it's hard to go and step into a God moment is the fact that we need to learn how to filter out all of the noise that is happening around us, that we need to learn to discern God's voice. So number one, take time to discern God's mission. Take time to discern God's mission in your life. You know, learn to filter out all the noise and be able to focus on his voice and, and see what he's saying. When, I, when we talk about hearing God's voice, there's, norm, there's normally the normal thing that we talk about. We talk about, you know, if we hear God, to hear God's voice, the primary way that God speaks is normally through his word. So make sure you get your Bible. You take time to read his word. Another thing that to go and hear God's voice, we say, do this. Make sure you find some good spiritual leaders to help you kind of through this whole time. Make sure that they're, you know, they're giving you good advice. I put a little bit of thing on my notes that said, be careful, right? Be careful. Why? Because many times we take this advice and often we, we tend to abuse it a little bit. We kind of look to see how God's word can kind of answer our agenda, right? We grab the Bible and we think, okay, this is God's holy Bible. You know, I'm thinking about going overseas on a mission trip. And so we open up the Bible and, says, oh, and we say, I'm going to turn to Matthew 28, God. I'm to and it says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And he goes, oh, God is telling me to go on a mission. Or maybe we get mad and all of a sudden he goes, what should I do, God? God, I'm going to open up my Bible. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. So I'm going to open up the Psalms. Psalms, And it says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Yeah, God, I have the opportunity to take on revenge. We can abuse the things that we read many times. And what we got to do is instead of looking at God's word and trying to figure out, God, can you just confirm what I already think I'm supposed to be doing? Maybe we're supposed to use God's word in such a way that it would read us. It would read our motives. It would read, are we maturing with him? Are we connected with him? And it's through that, maybe God will speak. You know, another thing that we talk about is looking for maybe spiritual leaders. So I read this one thing, and I thought it was very good advice. So make sure we do this in finding good, discerning, wise counselors. It says, we need the perspective of mature Christians who have demonstrated a pattern of good decision-making. They should be people who you admire, who show signs of having their priorities straight, who always put the will of God before their own. And I thought, very good advice. But I put a little asterisk there, and I say, but you don't always have to listen to them either. Right? The reason why is because many times the counselors that we have in our life, maybe they use maybe their experiences. Based on my experience, let me tell you what you should do. Maybe, many times, maybe they have an agenda, or many times, it's just like out of their goodwill, they're thinking, you know, we just want to make sure you stay safe. You know, you know we heard that this is the bad time to go. This is the kind of the bad move, because I, I remember my uncle or my auntie did this too. Don't do that. Make sure you take time to do what? Take time to get to know God. Make time to be in his word. Take time to pray. And then when you talk to godly counselors, do that not just once, but do it multiple times. For me, God has called me to be in full-time ministry to be a pastor. But how that has looked over the years has taken me in the church, has taken me out of the church, and has brought me back in. And the journey that we have, many times, even if you, you know, you're, you're trying to look for advice or you give advice, make sure the fact that we know that we do the best decision that we have with what information we have available. But many times, God, what he does, he takes us to one door and then all of a sudden, he adjusts us a little bit and kind of walks us through another door instead of staying so straight. So we do the best what we can. The thing that I think in my mind when people abuse it, 
um, since there's a lot of young adults here. I remember this one guy. I'll call him Stalker. Um, he, went and he, he went and he came up to this girl and he says, God has told me that you should marry me. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I love her response, but God has not told me. <laughs> right? So make sure in the fact that you go and take the time, right, and discern God's will. So number two, be aware to, you know, when to step into a moment. Be aware to step into a moment. And there are exciting things that are happening, what God is doing around us. But when a God moment happens, it's very subtle. And many times we miss it. Many times we don't recognize it at all. And so part of it is you know, understanding maybe partly the, the direction of where God wants us to go with our mission. But we've got to make sure that that little subtlety of what God is doing in our life, our willingness to step into that moment. Let's go and read in verse 17. And this is where Paul and Luke are arriving back in Jerusalem with a great welcome um, by the Jewish Christians. When we arrived in Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James. All the elders were present. And then Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God has done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And so, you know, I'm reading through this, and I don't know, I've been t- I was kind of reading through this a lot, and I just, my, my demented mind, I was thinking about how he reported back to this Jerusalem church. You remember um, Bill and Ted's most excellent adventure? You know, it's the most classic movie. And so I was just thinking, you know, Paul and Luke, they walk in, most excellent elders in Jerusalem. Dudes. I want to tell you about the most excellent journey that we had. We went on one missionary journey, two missionary journeys, three missionary journeys, but the last one was amazing. It was so amazing, the fact that now people who are not Jewish are now becoming to believe in God. And it was, you know, it's kind of controversial, and you would think, did they receive this well or not receive this well? So all the elders in the Jerusalem church, man, goes, way, no way. All these people are believing in God. And he says, way, yes. And all of a sudden, everyone is actually very happy. The most excellent report that Paul could ever give to this Jerusalem church. So in verse 20, it says, when they heard this, they praised God. So everyone's happy. But all of a sudden, something, a, a nuance happened where there was a rumor that Paul was kind of teaching something that maybe was drawing people away from their Jewish heritage. And so when they said to Paul, you see, brother, how, how many thousands of Jews have believed? All of them are also zealous for the, for the law. And so they were hearing these rumors about possibly the fact that Paul was telling these Jewish Christians to stop practicing their time-honored traditions, very dear to the Jewish culture. In verse 21, it says, They had been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to their customs. So these rumors, even though the rumors were false, Paul had to figure out an idea of how to go and maybe get their attention. Well, what he does doesn't work at all. It actually causes this whole entire riot. And so in verse 26, the next day, Paul took the men and purified himself along with them. Then he went to the temple to give notice of the date when the days of purification would end and the offering would be made for each of them. And this should have satisfied everybody. Oh, you're, you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, and you're also, you, you love and you respect our Jewish culture. Great. But on the seventh day was over. Some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him. 
The whole city was aroused and the people came running from all directions, seizing Paul. They dragged him from the temple and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, I don't know how you try to kill someone, news reached the commander of the of Roman troops that the whole city of the Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. So things are just out of control at this point, okay? Roman soldiers get involved. The, the, all of Jerusalem is in a, in a riot. And all of a sudden, the commander says, this is out of control. All of a sudden, he puts chains upon Paul, takes him out of the temple, brings him to the barracks. And all of a sudden, and if you don't, and if you, if you don't want to miss it, it's very subtle. What were people saying before? It's like, if you go to Jerusalem, you will be handed over. You will be put in chains. And all of a sudden, Paul realizes, this is the moment. He goes in verse 37. He says, as the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, please, let me speak to the people. And, and so, he, you know, see, so he just says in verse 39, he says, I am a Jew from Tarsus, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak. And it's very subtle in this because he says, I'm a Jew. I'm from Tarsus. And all of a sudden he says, I'm, my citizenship, eh, you don't have to hear about that. In Acts 16, he actually plays this thing called the Roman card, the Roman citizenship card. He shows his, he shows his card because he was in trouble, put in prison. He shows and says, I'm a Roman citizen. Everybody freaks out because if he's a Roman citizen, you're not supposed to go and arrest them. You're not supposed, you, know, you can't do anything to this guy. So it just stops everything. In, in Acts 16, the Roman soldiers release him. All the Jewish accusers go away. He realizes this is the moment that God has called me for, that I'm in chains. Now, this is my opportunity. All of the city of Jerusalem is waiting for an answer. All of Jerusalem, the people who are for me, the people who are against me, the, the Roman soldiers, all of the whole guard is now going to be able to hear what I have to hear. He doesn't play this Roman card. You know, these God moments in our life are very subtle. You know, he didn't take, in the beginning, he didn't take the fact that he was going to be in trouble. So he, you know, the safety part, he said, yeah, I'll jump in. But this now was a chance for him to take part in his privilege. He had the privilege to go and say, hey, get me out of this. Right? He didn't play that card. And these, these God moments are so subtle that it's a time when we are willing to say yes when we normally say no. Maybe to a mission trip or maybe to serve in some place. Maybe you're at school or maybe you're at work and you're busy studying or you're busy at your work, but you notice someone on the side and you notice God is saying, hey, you might want to take time to listen to that guy. Maybe you might want to pray for him. We don't want to do that because we don't want to be known as that religious person who comes and, hey, can I pray for you? It sounds so weird. It sounds so awkward. Especially at work, you know, you're supposed to be very professional. But you decide to go and take that moment. For my daughter, Sophia, you know, the big moment was for us to go and move. But she actually takes these small little God moments in her life as we're doing these small little shepherd meetings, prime meetings. She asks, can I make some cookies for them? Because she, wanted, she wants to partake in what God is doing and maybe see how God can use her and also how God can use us throughout the journey. And all of a sudden, great stories are being made. 
So we have to make sure the fact that we learn how to identify and be aware that these God moments are always all around us that we can say yes to. The last thing is this, is that we need to realize that we have something to offer. You know, why is it hard for us to step into a God moment when we see one, we don't step into it? Why is it hard for us to step into a moment and think, man, I don't know if I should. The reason why it's so hard for us to step into a God moment is because many times we we don't think that we have something worth to give. Maybe we don't think that we're able to do something of worth anyway. And so in verse 40, it says this. After receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd when they were silent. So all of Jerusalem is now listening. In verse chapter 22, 1. Brothers and fathers, listen to my defense. He's about to give one of five great defenses that we will write about and read about all the time from all eternity. The first defense he gives, he gives his story. Of all the things that he could have done, he gives his story. Of all the greatest things that we could ever offer, the greatest thing that we could ever do is actually your story. So Paul's greatest message was his testimony Uh, But our greatest story really is the story of what God is doing in our life. Um, So, you know, when we talk about a testimony, I'll give you some components of it just to kind of finish this part off. Is the fact that, you know, there's a part in our testimony. What was my life like before I received Jesus? What was my life before? And also, what number two is our encounter with Christ. And our lastly has to do with, you know, what's my life afterwards? For Paul, his life before Christ, hi, my name is Paul, I'm a Jew from Tarsus, Um, was very zealous for God. In fact, um, I was so zealous for God when I saw these guys who are Christians who were kind of going against what I thought the Jewish law was, I decided to persecute them, imprison them. In fact, I actually kind of killed some of them too. But I have to let you know that I encountered Christ and the fact that I went and I'm, I was traveling on the road to Damascus. There was this light that came and God spoke. He spoke so much, he told me to talk to this guy named Ananias. So I went to Ananias and Ananias says, well, now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, call on his name. So I received Christ in my life. So what was your life afterwards? Well, you know what? When I returned back to Jerusalem, man, things were a little different. I started to change my ways. And all of a sudden, God spoke into my life. And he said, go and send, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Very simple. Of all the things that he could have spoken to the people in Jerusalem, he says his story. The reason why, it is the most powerful thing, because it is unique, it is one of a kind, and you are unique, you're one of a kind. And so the greatest story of how God is working in the world Truthfully, is your story. Because we know from Acts, we hear about Paul, we hear about Abraham, we hear about Moses. All of these great stories are forever bound in canon. You know, it's in canon. You cannot change anything in the Bible. But I believe that the Bible and the stories of what God is still doing is still living. And the fact that the stories of what is happening in your life, in my life, what is happening in the life of living hope is still moving on. And it's stories that we will tell for ages, for years. And maybe some of these stories we will tell for all of eternity. You know, God wants to get your attention. A moment that he will lead you to a life-changing adventure. 
Maybe he's going to unveil his plan. Maybe he's going to ask you to take another step with him. But it's, this is our time that allows us to go and be the kind of people that God wants us and intends to be. Is it hard to go and step into a hard moment? I had to think about that. I don't think it's ever easy to step into a God moment. The reason why, many times we don't take time to discern what is God doing and what is the mission that God has for me. Many times it's hard for us to step into a moment because we've never really taken time to really understood what, what, is, what could God do with me during this moment and realize the fact that we actually have something to offer. Never allow another moment to pass by. During this moment and during this chapter 21, there's actually a couple places where there were people who actually missed their moment. In chapter 21, verse 4, we remember the disciples in the beginning when they were traveling over and over again. They met they prayed, and all of a sudden, in verse 6, it says, it says, after saying goodbye to each other, we went on board the ship, and they stayed home. They heard the same message. They knew that there was going to be trouble in Jerusalem, but they chose to say, you know what? Don't go. We're not going to go either. Those disciples, we don't even know their names anymore. They didn't know that a couple pages later, some of the greatest stories were about to be told. Another place is that place of um, Philip the Evangelist and also that prophet Agabus. We know their names, we know their titles, but we don't know very much about them after that. You know, you can have your titles, you can have your names and lights, but the only things that will last are those when we take those God moments in our lives and actually step into those things. Those things are everlasting. So let's step into what God has for us a life-changing adventure, a great story, one that we'll talk about for ages. Paul had his mission and his message, but he understood the God moments in his life. You have your mission and your message. Don't miss out on those God moments because those are the ones that we will talk about for ages. Amen? Amen. So Lord, I thank you, Father, for today. I thank you for what you are doing here at Living Hope. I thank you, Father, for the faith-filled people 